and welcome to the ninth episode of the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Luca DeLosta. And I'm Zach Green. In today's episode, we will be recapping all of the NBA All-Star Weekend in Cleveland, talking about the LeBron James situation, going over the Caps vs. Rangers NHL game, and finishing off with the interesting facts. Let's get into it. And now, let's get into the recap of this All-Star Weekend in Cleveland, starting with just a little recap of the Rising Stars. Yeah, four teams made it up the first and second year NBA players played in a two-round tournament. The four teams were Team Barry, which was Rick Barry, Team Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, the older one, not the more current one, Team Worthy, James Worthy, and then Team Payton, Gary Payton. And the first round would go down as Team Isaiah beating Team Worthy by a score of 50-49 to 49 off a game-winning free throw by Desmond Bain. And then the other game would be Team Barry beating... Team Payton 50-48 off a very tough layup off the glass by Jayshon Tate. My reaction to these games, it was competitive. More competitive, I think, than like the Pro Bowl, you know, people can compare it to. But one thing about how competitive I think it is, it's because it's in the middle of the season. Yeah, the NFL is tackling and they don't want to get hurt, but they actually have stuff to play for, money for charities, and just it's. I feel like it's a lot of bragging rights. And I would say the same also about the official All-Star game, which we'll get into later. Let's go on to the final game of the tournament. Evan Mobley and Team Barry go on to beat the Crush Achua and Team Isaiah with a score of 25-20. to 20. What do you think about Katie Cunningham getting MVP? Well, I think it's a good, obviously probably well-deserved, yeah, well-deserved. But I know you as a Cavs fan probably wanted Evan Mobley, which I think he could have easily won it having a big impact not just in that second game, but also in that first game. All right, let's move on to the three-point competition. Yeah, the three-point competition is a competition where each participant has 70 seconds to shoot 27 balls that are placed in seven different locations. There are five balls at each rack except the Mountain Dew zone spot, where there's only one at each spot, and there are two of those. A player gets to choose where their money ball rack is, which is a rack full of what is called money balls, which are worth two points compared to the average ball worth one point. The Mountain Dew spots are worth three points. The racks are placed at the corners, the wings, and the top of the three-point line, but the Mountain Dew spots are six feet beyond the three-point line, which is a pretty deep shot. And the top three participants who get the highest score in the first round move on to the finals to see who will become the NBA three-point contest champion. This year, we had Desmond Bain from the Grizzlies, CJ McCollum from the now Pelicans, Luke Kenner from the Clippers, Carl Anthony Towns for the Timberwolves, Zach Levine for the Bulls, Trey Young for the Hawks, Fred Van Vliet for the Raptors, and Patty Mills for the Nets. And how about Luke Kennard in that first round, scoring a massive 28 points. The next runners up, the two others who were moved on were Carl Anthony Towns and Trey Young, who tied at 22. Then you also had some players or participants who kind of went underwhelming in the three-point contest, including Zach Levine, who only had a score of 14. I do want to say one thing. I love that they let Cat wear his mom's necklace. That was, I think, which propelled him to win this thing later on. That was a very cool thing the NBA did. Yeah, definitely props to the NBA for letting him. But then Cat, I think... That was outstanding. He had 29 in the final round. He went off. And did you know that that 29 was the record for the score in the three-point contest final round? 
My man Kevin Love from the Cavs was the last to do it in 2012. However, he was on the T-Wolves when it did happen. Let's move on to the dunk contest and my favorite part, Luca, when Obi Tobin won because it was over. Other than when it was over because obviously, as we've heard from around the sports world, it was probably one of the worst dunk contests ever. But Cole Anthony's dunk in Timberlands was hilarious. The most, I think it was the most entertaining dunk because Timberlands are big boots that weigh one pound and five ounces. And to dunk a nose with a windmill, I think it was pretty sweet. And they have no, like, there's nothing in them to give you extra bounce. It's just, they're heavy, they're bulky, and it's just, it's such a joke that he was able to do it in them. Let's talk about the Obi top and dunk that was out. It was pretty impressive, which he won off of. I think next to the most entertaining dunk, I think it was the best one. It was a alley-oop to himself, setting up a windmill that then hit off the backboard on purpose, and he redirected it. Some people, like yourself at first when you saw it, said that was not a dunk because it, it, he didn't have control after it hit the backboard. It it did almost look like he just laid it in, but they gave it to him. They probably just wanted to get it over with. Yeah, that, the judges probably were just like, just give it to him. They didn't want to watch anymore. There were so many misjumps and redos that it was, it was hard to watch as a fan. They just need to go back to putting people who – like, the crowd wants to see dunk. Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, Derek Jones Jr. It's The dunk contest is something that the NBA community wants to see, and they should want to see, but they don't want to right now. Let's move on to the game itself, and let's start. What a game this was. A kid from Akron sending him home with a fadeaway to win it. Let's get into it. And... Before we do, we, we only caught the second half of it because we were out doing stuff, but just watching it at the end, as you said earlier, the competitiveness for the charity and also just the pride of saying we, we won the All-Star game, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. Let's move on to Team Durant. Leading the way, Joel Embiid led the team in scoring with 36. He was 14 for 20 and 5 for 8 from the 3. He is just an outstanding player. Trey Young played fairly decent. He had 13 points. He was 5 for 3 and 3 for 9 from 3. John Morant didn't shoot that much, but he had some sick lobs that Trey Young threw him. He had 6 points on 3 for 6. Jason Tatum struggled a little bit. He went 4 for 10 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3, and just a measly 8 points. Andrew Wiggins, some people you could argue about him being a starter. He went 4 for 7, 2 for 4 from 3, and just 10 points. And I want to go back that Ja Morant, one of them was a lob from half court by Trey Young and a 360 dunk, which, I mean, Ja Morant's just crazy athletic, amazing dunk. But let's get into some players off the bench, such as Devin Booker going 9 for 8 from the field, 2 for 9 from 3, and he had 20 points. Probably could make an argument he could have replaced Andrew Wiggins as a starter. But also, how about DeJounte Murray? Showed up, 7 for 11 from the field, 1 for 3 from 3 with 17 points. Throughout the season, he's been producing triple doubles, including one against my Washington Wizards last night. But they could say they really needed Kevin Durant to be there, missing his second All-Star straight. I just want to go back to that to one second. DeJounte Murray last night, let's just appreciate it. I think he had 31 points, 13 boards, and 14 assists. It was a double overtime game, so more to was to be played, but he, I think he was a right to replace the injured people on Team Durant. I think he should have been an all-star from the start. Like, he's played incredibly this season. 
Let's talk about the money they won. Team Durant really needed KD himself, like he said. But they did win the second quarter for charity, winning $300,000 in total for the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. Just all-around great causes for these teams. That's another thing to go back to this All-Star game. It, it's not just for playing. It's to raise money, and they raised lots of money. Now let's move on to Team LeBron. He raised a lot of money, too, for the I Promise Scholars Program, which was awarded $450,000. Just... I love LeBron founded that school in Akron. It was his school that he founded back when he was on the Cavs. It was great. I think it's a great thing. Let's get to the stats. Should we start with the video game player, Steph Curry? Go ahead. 50 points. 17 from 30 from the field. 16 of 27 from three. He couldn't be stopped. I didn't see one point in the game that he could be stopped. And he took... Three shots that were not three-pointers. They were just letting him stroke it from the three. Let's move on to Giannis Antetokounmpo. He also had a fabulous game. He went 15 for 21, totaling 30 points. Had six assists, 12 rebounds, and three steals in a block. He played great. LeBron, the team captain, 11 for 24 from the field. Only two for 11 from three. But he did have 24 points and the game-winning shot. And then DeRozan, a possible MVP candidate, Played well, but kept it on the low this game. 4 for 8 from the field for 10 points, and he was the only player on Team LeBron to attempt a free throw, and he went 2 for 2, so those two points could have been the difference of this game. Jokic also had 10 points, shooting 4 for 5 from the field and 2 for 3 from 3. He just had 8 assists and brought in 9 rebounds. Pretty good stat line. And I'll let you talk about your Cavs players off their bench. I do want to say this. When we were doing our predictions to who was going to make the All-Star team for five reserves, I put both Darius Garland and Jared Allen, and look where we are now. So Darius Garland, 5 for 12 from the field, 3 for 7 from 3, for a bench high of 13 points. He didn't dish out his usual eight assists, still recorded three. He had some nice deep threes. He, I think he had one logo three late in the third, which was nice. And then Jared Allen, he shot really well going 5 for 6 from the field for 10 points. But he had nine rebounds. I love Jared Allen. You know I do. And he didn't get dunked on by Joel Embiid this game. It was close, though. Yeah, Jared Allen, definitely a guy who can keep your team alive on the boards. Great player. I also like him even as a Wizards fan. Now, sticking with LeBron James in a way, let's talk about his situation. Now, I have to ask you. Where do you think we will see LeBron next? Well, I think right now it's a little too early to tell because here he is praising OKC and their GM, Sam Persetti, but then he says he would do anything to play with his son, which I respect, and the money doesn't matter at that point. But with his son not even in college yet, we have to see how his son plays first, and then I think everything will kind of fall into place. But like you said, there's still a possibility of going back to where it all started, Cleveland. And hitting a little bit more on his son not even in colleges, depending on where he goes, it really can put more pressure on his son, Bronny James, to be a top 15, top 10, maybe even top 5 pick in the draft. And for his son only to be eligible for the NBA in 2024, that's pushing it a little. But he is LeBron's son. I do think one thing, though. LeBron is done with the Lakers. And I agree with you. The question is just where to next. 
we've seen that they brought in AD. He hasn't been able to play as many, nearly as many games as he did before LA. Him and Russell Westbrook obviously aren't the best pairing. And as you already hit on, he's been praising OKC's GM over his be- his ability to draft prospects. He's praised Josh Giddy. But I would also not be surprised if he if Memphis makes a push for him. They have a ton of draft picks. They have very young, strong players such as John Morant, Jared Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain under contract through 2023. And they're a team that can win now. I mean, they're second place in the West right now. So it'll be very interesting to see how it unfolds. I think there are a lot of teams that could, you know, with LeBron and Bronny, if they do play together, that could be dangerous because you're looking at one of the arguably best players of all time and then – a high school player right now that probably will be pretty good in the NBA. Not probably as good as his dad, but, you know, pretty good. But then you have to look at the other factors. That, like, what teams would he fit in well with? Like, some people, like, you know, I would always want him to come back to Cleveland, but you have to look at, like, would he fit in with all, like, these schemes? Because you go to a team that, you know, Bronny goes to that, you know, they might not – he might have to share the ball a lot with someone. But what he did say in an interview – is that he does like Josh Giddy because he's a pass-first guard. He's a guy who can see the court and see plays before they unfold. And that's why when I heard that, I'm thinking, oh, maybe he the Grizzlies will make a push for him after hearing that because they have John Morant, an amazing point guard, who is crazy athletic, can score, and dish out the ball. But I am very intrigued to see what happens. All right, let's move on to the Caps versus Rangers hockey game at Madison Square Garden. Not the best outing for the Caps. And I feel like this is what we've been saying to each other for the last two months. They can't put three wins in a row. They give up four goals to teams. Like, yes, the Rangers are a very good team, but to the Senators earlier this month, like they just got to get over this slump and push in for the playoffs. Here's my thing. They just don't look like the regular Caps we're used to seeing. What's wrong with that? In, in this game, I saw it, watched it, and said, this was not a defensive miscue. It's just a lack of offense. They outscored the Rangers 37-21. to 21. They had four power plays, went 0 for 4. They, had, they won in the faceoff circle. They had two breakaways. In, they, they had everything going their way, and they just couldn't find the back of the net. What do you think is wrong with the Caps' inconsistency and the goal? I don't know, though. Is That's the thing. Because you see games, they put in four or five goals. And then you see a game like this, and you go, where did the offense go? Because they have all the talent in the world. They have Alex Ovechkin, TJ Oshie, John Carlson, Nicholas Backstrom, just to name a few. But they just got to find themselves, get out of this slump, and as I said, make a push for the playoffs. What do you think about the first shot by Zibanejad that was a rocket, 100-mile-an-hour shot that just squeezed through the wicket of the Zampano? And that is the only goal I would say the Rangers really got. The only uh, Two of those goal, other goals were fails to clear the puck in the defensive zone, which led to a shot from the point and just bouncing around in, this, in the crease. And then their fourth goal, I believe, it was... It was a giveaway in the offensive zone off a faceoff two on one. That's the most free goal. But how do you think the Caps can get this offense running again? Well, I think they just got to stick to their morals. Like we said, you know, Alex Ovechkin, of course, he's been a machine. 
scored late in this game with 107 left. But I think they play their best when they can capitalize off opportunities. Like we said, they had four power plays. They did not score on one of them. When the Cavs can capitalize on opportunities like that, you know, breakaways like we said, two breakaways, and they can get, you know, some luck. It's some luck in the game, some luck with the breakaways, but they have to capitalize on opportunities that come their way. And you can't go 0 for 4 in, in a, for power plays in a game. You have to at least get one, maybe two goals there. But th- I definitely think they'll they'll get it together going down this stretch of the season. Whenever you have Alex Ovechkin, there's always a way. All right, let's move on to our interesting fact. Our interesting fact this week is, did you know that the official sport of Maryland is jousting? I've been to a jousting competition with my grandfather. It was, it's very cool. They're going so fast. They had a spear. They had a, they had to put it through this little ring. It was it was very cool, and as a little kid, of course, to see horses, it's very fun. It's just, it's such an odd sport to adopt. I would have never guessed that, one, a state has an official sport, and two, that that sport is jousting. Let's talk about our game of the week. I have the Bulls versus the Heat on Monday, two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, both with great, talented, respected teams. Who prevails? You already know who I'm going to say. I got the Heat, my boy Tyler Hero. But my game of the week, Tuesday, you got number two Arizona taking on number 16 USC men's college basketball coming down the stretch of the season. Teams fighting for potential seeding in this NCAA tournament, a.k.a. March Madness, next month. Both basketball leagues, NCAA and the NBA, you know, going seeding is very important now. Like I said, my game of the week, this is where I love basketball like this, most competitive. And with that, we'd like to thank you for listening. I'm Luca DeLosta. And I'm Zach Green. Have a great day.